Wilder Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. This morning, I I know we've got a a number of younger people that are here who aren't normally in this service. So if you are under the age of 13, I want to hear from you. Would you like wave your hands and say hi or something out loud? Let me see you. All right, we got a number of you here. I'm so glad that you're here. I do want you to know that I'm going to be asking some questions during the message time, and I want you to help me. All right, I want some of you who are younger to really help us out. If you would, please take out the Word of God right now and turn in it in the New Testament to the Gospel of Mark and chapter number 10. Mark chapter 10. Now, as we get started, I want you to think with me now, especially those of you who are younger, I want you to think about a specific tool that we have in our homes. It's something we have in our homes. And sometimes this hangs on the wall. Sometimes we have a handheld version of it. Sometimes it's something that we set on a counter, maybe in the bathroom. Sometimes it can even be a phone app that we use. Sometimes it comes full length. Now, does anybody have any idea what I'm referring to? Anybody have any ideas? Oh, I heard it, a mirror, yeah. We all know what a mirror is like, right? I'm talking about a mirror, exactly. It comes in all kinds of varieties. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to ask you a question. Why do we look into a mirror? Why do we look into it? To see ourselves, exactly, to see how we look. And you look into the mirror and you see yourself and you decide, well, something needs to be altered, something needs to be adjusted, or something needs to be changed. Like, for example... We look in the mirror to see how our hair looks. And we might say, well, you know, I need to brush my hair or I need to comb my hair. I need to change it, adjust it a little bit. Sometimes we look in a mirror and we we look at how our clothes look. We're saying, does does that top go with these these pants or, or these slacks I'm wearing? Or do the colors clash in some way? Is it too big for me? Is it too short for me? So we look in the mirror, and then we change and we adjust. Sometimes we look in the mirror, and we're wanting to see what our face looks like, right? And we look in the mirror, and we notice there's some dirt on our face. Or maybe if we're younger, we notice there's a chocolate milk mustache that's there. Or maybe if you're older, you look in the mirror and you notice there's a random hair growing out of a very weird place. Maybe you look in the mirror and we have what we always called sleepers, those little crusty things in the corner of your eyes, and you know you got to get them out of there. Or maybe you notice there's a, a drool mark from sleeping going down the side of your mouth, and so you wash that off. You adjust things. That's why we look into mirrors. Now, here's what I want you to think about. 
We don't look into a mirror to see what we look like in the past. Right? You don't look in the mirror and say, what did I look like a year ago? Or what did I look like 10 years ago? We don't look into a mirror to see what we're going to look like in the future. Right? We look in a mirror to see what we look like right now. And what is really interesting is that in the Bible, it says that the Scriptures, the Bible that we have, is a lot like a mirror. We look into it, and it reveals something about us. It gives us a reflection of our spiritual self. And as we look into the mirror of God's Word, it tells us what might need to be altered, what might need to be adjusted, what might need to be changed in our life. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verses 32 to 45. And as we look into Mark chapter 10, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see the disciples. We're going to see Jesus. And if we look carefully and thoughtfully, we're going to see ourselves in Mark chapter 10. Now, the title that I have given to the message is Serving or Self-Serving. And that is the theme of this section of Mark chapter 10, serving or self-serving. And we're going to be asking that question over and over again throughout the morning. Serving or self-serving? What do I mean by that? Well, when we're serving... Our focus is on meeting the needs of others. When we are serving, we are giving. When we are serving, we are serving God and others. Serving or self-serving. When we are self-serving, the focus is on what others can do for me. When we are self-serving, we are receiving when we are self-serving, we are serving our self. So I need everybody's young, younger, especially your help. We're going to go through, and we're going to look at different people, and we're going to ask the question, serving or self-serving? Are you ready to get started? First of all, we're going to look at Jesus, and we're going to see him in verses 32, 33, and 34. Let's read those verses. Verse 32 of Mark 10. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking on ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were fearful. And again, Jesus took the 12 aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, verse 33, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, he's speaking of himself, and will hand him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise Again. Now, just to give you an idea, this was about one week before Jesus would go on the cross. And two times before, he had told the disciples that he was going 
to go to Jerusalem and to suffer. So they had that clear. You go to Jerusalem and Jesus is going to suffer. And you'll notice here in this verse, it says, while they were going to Jerusalem, Jesus was walking on ahead of them. He's talking about the 12 disciples. Jesus was way out in front. And it says they were amazed. Why were they amazed? Because Jesus was pushing forward into the face of danger. They're thinking, why is he so anxious to get there? And then it says that those who followed were fearful. This is not talking about the 12. This is talking about the other group of people that were following Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. And they were fearful. They thought something foreboding, something bad is going to happen. Now, while he had told the disciples two times before that he was going to go to Jerusalem and suffer, this is the most detailed he ever got with them. In fact, in verses 33 and 34, there are eight verbs used to describe what was going to happen to Jesus. You notice it says that, it says, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered, handed over to the chief priests and the scribes. And they're going to condemn me to death. And they're going to then hand me over to the Gentiles. And they're going to mock and spit on and scourge. That means to beat him up and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. Now, here we go. Young people, are you ready? Help me out. Jesus, was he serving or self-serving? Serving. His focus was on meeting the needs of others. His focus was on giving his life for us. His focus was on serving God and others. It wasn't over here, focusing on what others can do for him, where he was receiving something, where he was just serving himself. He was serving. Very good. Let's look at the next group. We want to look at James and John. James and John, and there in verses 35 to 37. Notice what's happening. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, they came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? Verse 37, they said to him, grant that we may sit, talking about when he comes in his kingdom, that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. Now remember what's just been happening They're on their way to Jerusalem. They know he's going to suffer. He's given them eight verbs of things that are going to happen to him there. Jesus says, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be condemned. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be killed. And what are James and John doing? They're not thinking about what's going to happen to Jesus in Jerusalem. They're thinking about the future. They're thinking about this kingdom that they felt Jesus was going to bring. Now, now. Do you remember who James and John were? There was a a group of three inner disciples. They were the most important disciples in Jesus' group. And James and John were two of them. Anybody remember who the third one was? Anybody? Peter. She had Peter, James, and John. 
two of the inner three. But here's what's interesting. When you're going to ask if you can sit in the throne, one to the right and one to the left of Jesus, there's only room for how many? Two. And what are James and John doing? They're acing Peter out of the deal. They're pushing their way to the front. They're going to say, forget about Peter. (laughs) One of us is going to be on the left and one of us is going to be on the right. And so they ask this unusual question in verse 35. We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Can you imagine if you work at a job that you came up to your boss and you would say, boss, I want you to do whatever I ask you to do. Or if you're younger, can you imagine coming up to your mom and dad and you say to them, mom, dad, I want you to do whatever I ask you to do. Or even among your friends, if you walked up to them and said, hey, I want you to do whatever I ask you to do. Now, what is really interesting is we learn in the Gospel of Matthew, which has a parallel account in chapter 20, that they actually themselves, this this was their question, but they didn't actually ask it. Instead, they sent their mama to ask the question. They said, Mom, we really want to be one on the right, one on the left. We want to ace Peter out of the deal. But could you go up and ask Jesus that question? I mean, they're the ones who had it, but they asked their mom to ask Jesus about it, to ask what they wanted to do. All right, so now we got James and John. James and John, were they serving or self-serving? Self-serving, exactly. Their focus was on what others can do for them. They wanted Jesus to do something. They're kind of too bashful to ask directly, so they sent Mama to ask. Their focus was on receiving. Their focus was on serving themselves. They weren't worried about Peter. (laughs) They were worried about themselves. Now, before we get too critical, we must admit that we have some tendencies to do the same thing, to sort of push ourselves to the front. Yeah, you ever see how driving around town can be like that? You know, like we're trying to get in front of everybody. We want to be able to move out. Everybody get out of our way because it's about where I'm going. You see this at uh, big sales at stores. You see this on Black Friday. Anyone ever been to one of those big Black Friday things? Oh, my gosh. You better look out or you're going to get stampeded on the way in. You know, if someone starts handing out popcorn or they're handing out ice cream, what happens? We all want to push our way to the front. You know, I want mine. You see this a lot at theme parks. You know, like if you ever go to Universal Studios or you go to Disney World, and people are always pushing, trying to get to the front. If you've ever been to Disney World or Disneyland and you wanted to be there for the parade, what happens? (laughs) Everybody's pushing their way to the front. Even if you're at home, kids, and treats are being handed out by mom or dad, what do we have this tendency to do? Push to the front. You know, are we concerned about the needs of our other brothers or sisters, or are we kind of thinking about, I want to get mine. I really want to get mine. So we have a third group we want to look at, and that is the other disciples in this account. Look at verse 41. Look at verse 41. 
hearing about how James and John had this big request to sit on the right and the left, and they sent their mother to even ask the question. Hearing this, the ten, the other ten disciples, began to feel indignant with James and John. They were mad. They were angry. The New King James Version says they were greatly displeased. They were highly irritated. The Bruce Hess translation, they were severely hacked off at James and John. There was resentment. Why was there resentment? They got to Jesus first. Man, I wish I had thought of asking that question. They pushed their way to the front first, and that upsets me. So, the other disciples, were they serving or self-serving? The other disciples, were they serving or self-serving? They were self-serving again. Their focus was was on what they wanted to be done for them. Their focus was on receiving. They were concerned about serving themselves, and they were hacked off that James and John had beat them to the punch. Now, right at this point, Jesus is going, oh, let's stop for a moment. And he says, it's time for some teaching time. We need to have a little discussion about this. So look at verses 42 to 44. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles, these are the rulers of the world, the worldly rulers, lord it over them. And their great men, their great leaders, exercise authority over them. Verse 43, But it is not to be that way among you as my followers. Rather, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. Now, what he is doing here really is answering the question that was feeding all of this, that was really behind all of this, and that was the question, what does it mean to be great? What does it mean to be great spiritually. And what Jesus is really saying is that there's two ways to look at being great. There is the world's way. And in the world's way, you get great by dominating. You get great by exploiting other people. You get great by pushing and shoving, trying to get there first. You get great by getting your way. And Jesus says, that's the world's way of doing things, but God's way is different. God's way of being great is that we, what? We serve other people. Now, I want to expand a little bit on that. In the world's way of thinking about being great, it's all about how many people are under you, you know, how many people you're bossing. In the world's way, it's about serving our own interests. In the world's way, the key question is, how can I benefit from this? What am I getting out of this? And in the world's way, the motivation is my glory. I'm getting my way. God's way is different. It's not how many are under you. It's how many you serve. God's way is about serving others interests. 
The key question in God's way is, how can I meet a need? And the motivation in God's way is God's glory and God's honor. Now, I want you to look up at this for a moment. And this is a question for those of us who are younger and those of us who are considerably older. Which is true of you most times in your life? And we're looking into the mirror. Is it more the world's way? Or is it more God's way? Is it more serving my own interests and how I can benefit? Or is it serving other people's interests and how can I meet a need? Which is true of you most times. Now, as I said, this is a valid question whether you are younger or whether you are older, whether you are new in following Jesus or whether you are a seasoned follower of Jesus. It's not looking at what we've been in the past. It's looking at what we're like right now. What reflection do you see in the mirror? Serving or self-serving? God's way or the world's way? Too often, I think, the reflection that we see is more of the world's way. Now, all of my kids are grown up and they are all out of my house, but when my kids were at home, I would often tell them, I think you believe there's a genie who lives here that you are counting on. And I think people often in the church think that such a genie is at the church. What am I talking about? Well, here's a little saying. There's a clever young guy named somebody else. That's the sort of genie we think that exists. And there's nothing this guy can't do. He's busy from morning till way late at night, just what? Substituting for you. You're asked to do this and you're asked to do that. And what is your ready reply? Get somebody else to do that job. He'll do it much better than I. So much to do in this weary old world, so much and workers so few. And somebody else, all weary and worn, is still substituting for you. The next time you're asked to do something worthwhile, just give this ready reply. If somebody else can give time and support, my goodness, so can I. I want you to just think about some contexts of, of your life. Think about your family. Who's doing the serving in your family? Think about your friends. Who's doing the serving with your friends? Think about the church. Who's doing the serving? Is it you or is it somebody else? These are good questions to ask ourselves. Now, I want you to see as Jesus is teaching 
them, he concludes his teaching with the ultimate example. And that's in verse 45. Because remember, he's been talking about whoever wishes to be great shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first shall be the slave of all. And then he says, this is the ultimate illustration For even the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the ultimate example. He's saying, stop and think about it for a moment. If the creator of the universe, who Jesus is, if the preeminent one in the universe, who Jesus is, if the one who sustains the universe by the word of his power came to serve us, how can we do less than that? So here's the question. What reflection do you see in the mirror? It's a question for those of us who are young Question for for those of us who are older. We saw the disciples in Mark 10. We saw Jesus in Mark 10. How do you see yourself today? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Is your focus on meeting the needs of others and on giving and serving God and others? Be honest to yourself and God. Or is the focus more on self-serving where our focus is on what others can do for me, on receiving and serving myself? Depending upon what we see when we look in the mirror, tells us what kinds of adjustments and changes need to be made. Are you serving or self-serving? Think about yourself at home. Are you serving or are you self-serving? If you have a job at work, are you serving or are you self-serving? Think about in your neighborhood, among your neighbors that you're acquainted with, are you serving or are you self-serving? Think about the church. Now, again, we're not looking in the mirror to think about what we look like five years ago, ten years ago. It's what we're like right now. The church, are we serving or self-serving? If you are married, think about your wife and your husband. Are you serving or are you self-serving? If you have roommates, are you serving or are you self-serving? Think about your brothers and sisters. Are you serving or are you self-serving? Serving. You know, I think there's some really good godlike prompter questions we can be asking ourselves as we think around us. We could ask ourselves about others. What needs do they have? When's the last time you really asked that question? And then the follow-up question is, how can God use me to help meet that need in some form or fashion? Now, again, when you are younger kids, please don't, don't think this is something for grown-ups. This is something for all of us who follow Jesus. You can serve 
You know, when I, when I was younger, when I was about 11 years old, I, I served in what was called the American Junior Red Cross. It was an organization, and I actually had a pin that looked very much like this. I had another pin, too, that bent over on the top, and I would wear that. And I was involved with this organization, and I would do helpful things to serve other people. Now, we don't have um, an American Red Cross organization in Norman. I think it's called Red Cross Youth today. But, you know, you could, even as a young person, I was like 11 years old when I'm, I'm serving with the American Junior Red Cross. And so maybe you could ask your parents if there's an organization in our community where you could do something to help serve other people, not just for adults. But kids, I want you to know that I have a number of suggestions for how you might think about serving. For example, one thing you could do would be to have some fun and draw a picture of each member of your family and then include in that picture how you could serve that member of your family. Just have a little bit of fun thinking about that. Another thing you could do is you could help your younger brother or sister clean their room. That'd be a way that you could serve them. You could help mom or dad out by vacuuming in the house. You could clear the table of dishes. Maybe you could fold clothes from the dryer. You know, it's like you got to get the towels out and you got to fold them up just the way mom or dad wants them. But you could help there. You could serve there. Maybe you could give a toy that is in very good condition to something like the Salvation Army for someone who's far less fortunate than you, who doesn't have as many toys as you have. You can serve in that way. <laughs> Another thing you could do, kids, is you could put your dirty clothes in the hamper. I know some moms and dads keep telling you to do that. Well, it's a way that you could serve. Or, and some of you parents got nervous when I had this on the list, ironing. Now, I know you have to be a little bit older to handle an iron, but, but that's what my mom did with me when I was very, very little. She started me out with my dad's handkerchiefs, and I would do that. Then I kind of graduated to pillowcases, which in those days got a lot more wrinkly than they do today. But to this very day, about 75% of the ironing that I need done of my clothes, I do. Because I started out serving in that way when I was a kid. Now, kids can serve. Not only that, students can serve. I don't know if you knew this or not, but we just had a VBS where we had like some 500 kids here, and we had 50, count them, 50 middle, high, mid-high, and high school students who came and helped and served at VBS. Students can serve. And I've got some ideas of some different ways maybe students could serve. <clears throat> For example, you could pick up trash at a park. How many times have you been in a park and you see all this junk that's blown up against the fence? Who's going to clean that up? Well, you could do that. Another way you could serve would be to give some of the money that you earn or some of the money you get for your birthday and just give it to the church, for the church to use. You can serve in that way. Maybe you could walk the neighborhood with a wagon or something like that, collecting canned goods for food and shelter. There's ways that you can serve. Or how about this way to serve? Give your parent a hug, and how about this one? A compliment. That would be appreciated. 
Students, another way that you can serve is to give up some screen time and some gaming time to serve others. Have you ever thought about that? How about giving up 30 minutes or an hour of screen time or gaming time to serve other people? And yes, here we go again, students. I had three teenagers at once at one time. Put your dirty clothes in the hamper. Don't go on the floor. You can serve in that way. And then also you can, you can jump in by doing some ironing. It would be another way to serve. Now, those of us who are, who are older here, who are adults, we're going, I am so glad that he talked to the children. I'm so glad that he challenged the students. But you know, it's time to graduate to our level now. And I want to talk about adults. This is the important one at the top. Set the example. Vitally critical. More things are caught than taught. Want your kids, your students to learn to serve rather than being self-serving? Set the example. And I'm not talking about somebody who goes, well, you know, I, I, I used to do that. I used to serve. No, I'm talking about right now. Set the example. Maybe you could mentor a college or high school student. These are just suggestions, some ideas. Maybe you could babysit for a single parent for free. Hard to be a single parent. Maybe you could deliver a meal to someone who needs a meal. Maybe you could serve in children's or student ministry. It takes hundreds of people to do that. Maybe that's something that the Holy Spirit is touching your heart about. And how about this one? With your spouse. You, you could just say to them, where do you want to eat? Because we like to say, well, I know where I want to go, but where do they want to eat? What do they want to do? It's a way to serve our spouse. You know, over the years, we've done a lot of different vacation times, and normally when Janet and I would get together, we would we plan the vacation times, what we're going to do together We were going to go on one particular vacation, and I decided, you know what? I'm only interested in what she wanted to eat and what she wanted to do. So I told her on this vacation, I'm going to have no opinion. Whatever you want to do, that's what we're going to do. Wherever you want to eat, that's what we're going to eat. And my wife looked at me like, what? I said, yeah, that's the way it's going to go. She didn't believe me at first, but that's exactly what we did. We were staying in one particular kind of a large resort area, and they had eight different swimming pools. And I said to her, what is it you want to do? And she looked at me and she said, I want to swim in all eight swimming pools. (laughs) You know what happened? We swam in all eight swimming pools. So it's a way that you can serve your spouse. Or even to just ask them, how can I encourage you? How can I encourage you? Serving or self-serving? Not two years ago, not two years from now, but right now. 
What is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? Serving or self-serving? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for just the opportunity we have to come together to look at the Word of God, to look into the mirror of the Word of God and to learn, to listen to you speaking to us and teaching us. Father, I would pray that we would remember the ultimate example, that we just wouldn't fall into the pattern the world has of self-serving, but rather that we would be kids and students and adults who would be people who serve like Jesus served us. Because we want to honor him who bled and died and gave himself up for us. We pray that you would work in that way in our life, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.